to animals. My name is Shannon Cutts. I'm an animal intuitive and sensitive or an animal communicator, as some like to call us, and a Reiki master practitioner here at AnimalLoveLanguages.com. And if you're watching the video version of our podcast, then you're seeing Pearl Cuts giving me cute little nose kisses, beaky kisses, because he wants me to put him on his lap, on my lap and go to sleep. So we are so excited today to launch into season three, and our inaugural guest is Dr. Judy Morgan, and I am not going to lie, I've already told her this, I am fangirling. It's just, we just have to put it out there and just, you know, get the excite, get the energy of the excitement out there so we can focus. Not my strong suit when it comes to, to times like these, but um, Dr. Morgan, Dr. Judy, super excited to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have you had a huge week last week. Of course, these are pre-recorded, but you are in the middle of developing a course yourself. Yeah. And so there's, you know, there's lots going on here, there and everywhere. And we're just glad that you could join us here at Let's Talk to Animals. Of course, the first two seasons of our show have really been 90% focused on animal communication, kind of de-wooing, demystifying the intuitive side of pet care. What does it look like when we're talking to animals? How does it feel? How do you know you're doing it? Can everyone do it? Or is it just reserved for a special few? And, you know, how woo is it? And increasingly not these days. And there's even some science to support it. And there's lots of evidence in subtle ways of how animal communication flows over into other modalities. And for, for folks like myself who choose to hang out a shingle and go pro and go public with what we do and often how we do it, of course, I also teach uh, what inevitably what, what unfolds in, in within the context of an animal communication session is this what next moment where we've had the conversation we've received information from the animal and they've highlighted some some concerns or some needs that they have and so here for season three my focus is to address that what next because often it requires someone like me reaching into my Rolodex of trusted advisors and experts and professionals in pet health and wellness and increasingly holistic pet and wellness and offering this my human client some guidance and so that's why I've invited Dr. Judy. I'm a little intimidated even by my own questions for you today because there's so much we could cover. There is. But first, you know, there really, really is. And, you know, first, before we even launch into those, and there's some very specific questions that are informed by the kinds of conversations I have every day with my pet parent clients and some of the needs that come up quite frequently um, in my pet clients. But first, I'd love it if you would just give us a brief introduction. Uh, of course, it's drjudymorgan.com, assuming anyone who's listening doesn't already know this and know how to find you. But just share, you've got uh, some amazing books and just share a little bit about your background and, um, and your passion for what you do. <laughs> Well, I realized when I was about 13 years old that I wanted to be a veterinarian and it became a single-minded focus and there really was no other option. So if I didn't get into veterinary school, I don't know what I would be doing right now Gotcha. because there was no other option. Med school was out. I hate the sight of human blood. I pass out. I vomit. I'm not good. So, yeah. um, so there was no other option and luckily I did get in. Um, and I went to school in the Midwest, veterinary college in the Midwest. I'm originally from New Jersey. And so we didn't talk about anything holistic or, or anything, you know, woo woo, uh, especially 
back in the 80s, very, everything very traditional. And um, it, I was in practice for about 10 years doing traditional medicine and frankly, not liking my job a whole lot. I just was yeah. not very satisfied. And um, I accidentally took a chiropractic course in the <laughs> It was accidental, like truly was. Um, I thought I was going for something else. And then when I got there, I about an hour in, I'm like, I think they're talking about chiropractic. I don't know. This. <laughs> so, uh, so it, you know, it's uh, life puts things in your path the way that they're supposed to happen. So, uh, so I stayed for the rest of the course and uh, then started using it in my practice and realized how powerful it was and then felt bad that I hadn't been using this for the last 10 years. Uh, and, and, you know, really having to cry and apologize in my brain to all the animals that I could have helped that I didn't help because I didn't know how. Um, so once I discovered that, then the path just sort of started winding its way around and I ended up getting really um, comfortable with traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, which has four branches, acupuncture, herbs, something called Twina, which is sort of a, a chiropractic massage combo, and food therapy. And the food therapy for me was my hot button. It was my reason for existence. We all find out at some point in life, if we are lucky, what our purpose is and what our life's passion is. And so when I hit on that, it was just like, I'm home. And uh, so that's my main focus, but uh, I practiced for 36 years. I graduated 38 years ago, but I practiced for 36 years and uh, sold my practices in November of 2020. And now drjudymorgan.com and drjudyu.com are uh, sites for pet parent education and for holistic pet products because we've discovered there are so many harmful things that we are doing to our pets as far as um, how we're vaccinating them, the food we're feeding them, the chemicals we're putting in and on them, the environmental toxins that they're being exposed to. So our goal at this point, we're, we're a small family owned company, but our goal is to educate as many people as we can. And I set a goal to change the lives of 10 million pets worldwide for the better. And uh, I think we're, I think we're doing a pretty good job on that. I mean, we had a post last week that uh, hit 1.5 million. So if we can hit 1.5 million oh, yeah. in one um, discussion, then I, I think that we're well on our way. <laughs> That's just brilliant. And, and what, what a, what a uh, two thumbs up for setting big goals. You know, and, and, and dreaming big and setting big intentions and the energy and the upflow that comes behind that. It's amazing. I, I feel like so many of us fail to acknowledge the ripple effect that a single intention can have if we just continue to, to re-anchor back to it. So, and I, and as though, it, which is super exciting, I have to admit there's a little part of my, you know, oh, look, a squirrel that just noticed the, your adorable dog earrings that you're wearing so if oh, you're if you're heavily. listening to the to the podcast version of our chat today you you might want to head over to youtube and check out the bling 
But, you know, we are going, part of my my reason for reaching out to you is, you know, very much in service to my human and my pet clients. And some of it, some of the reason is really personal because we are actually going through this process that you just outlined right now, like in real time with um, my seven-year-old, our seven-year-old dachshund, Flash Gordon, and um, my father passed last year. And... I moved in with my mom after she had a really catastrophic fall and um, kind of by default became the co-parent for Flash Gordon, who was a standard wire-haired dachshund who had been eating a lot of kibble and had been um, really kind of just been really, um, I I don't, I mean, we love our traditional vet in in the sense of he has integrity with how he works and, and the way he set his practice up, but there are some things that really don't work for me. And that includes um, putting a lot of toxic products on him, uh, continually recommending foods that uh, really we're not serving him. Now he we've we've managed to transition him over to a fresh diet. I've used a lot of your material to kind of inform that. We've got him with a local um, acupuncturist and chiropractic rehab clinic, a holistic vet. And so I really want to start our conversation today talking about food as therapy because. While I can't boil an egg, I can't fill a water pitcher without screwing something up in the kitchen. I just get too distracted. But when food is therapy, as someone who has a a, a two decades long battle with an eating disorder, I mean, there's no truer statement in the world that that one phrase saved my life when I was able to make that switch. Wait a minute. Food is gas for my car. Food is fuel for my body. But so often we get blindsided by slick marketing with our pets. And, and I really believe as I have these conversations time and time again with my clients that the hearts are there in the right place. It's the knowledge it's lacking. So I really want, wanted you to, to share more about what that looks like and, and you know, just some basic recommendations for, for folks. It's so much easier for me to say, go listen to this podcast with Dr. Judy, then take my word for it because I have a degree in marketing and business, you know, (laughs) I'm not listening to you. So I'd love to start there if you're, if you're game. Sure. So one of the, one of the problems is that um, the big pet food companies are candy companies. They're human food companies. And they figured out that pet food's a big market. And unfortunately, big pet food companies are kind of the repository for the waste products from the human food industry. So for instance, uh, there was a great post that just came out about aflatoxins, which are mold toxins in corn. Corn is the number one ingredient used in pet food, which is ridiculous because our cats are obligate carnivores. They need a meat-based diet and cats and dogs, neither one have a requirement at all um, based on AFCO and uh, NRC requirements that list the requirements for nutrition for our pets. There's zero requirement for carbohydrates. So why is corn the number one ingredient in pet food? Oh, because it's cheap. And guess which corn goes into the pet food? It's graded, grade number one, grade number two. Well, the pets are not getting one and two. They're probably getting five and six. And that's where the molds are gonna be found. That's where the broken kernels are. That's where the worst of the worst. And uh, there was a, an article stating that there are 10, 10 it was either 10,000 or 100,000 cases of liver cancer in people every year, secondary to aflatoxins, which are mold toxins found on grains and legumes. It's a huge carcinogen. We know it's a huge carcinogen for our pets as well, but our pets get 
a much higher concentration of molds in the feed. And one of the horrible myths that has been perpetuated by veterinarians and big pet food companies is that you should just take this dry cereal product, basically, dump it in the bowl, never vary from that, put the same thing in the bowl day in and day out. Well, when we do that, if there's something toxic in that pet food, molds, euthanasia solution, uh, other carcinogens that are used as preservatives, high salt, high sugar, we're putting that in the bowl day in and day out and we are accumulating those toxins. They don't leave the body immediately. A lot of those are stored in fat. They stay there for long periods of time. So when you're feeding the same thing day in and day out, if there's a vitamin overdose in there, they're gonna die. If there's a vitamin deficiency in there, they're gonna die because you're, you're magnifying it. So one of the things that I promote very heavily is one, fresh feeding, because we don't want to feed dead food. When you're feeding something that's coming out of a bag, um, a, a kibble, kibble is made by a process called extrusion, which is at very, very high heat. When we cook things at really high heat, we kind of kill the nutrition in it. Because the nutrition is so cooked out of the food and it, it's not great nutrition to begin with because it's very high carbohydrate content. Then the food, it goes through this extrusion process at high heat, then it is sprayed with fats to make it palatable. Otherwise our dogs and cats would never touch it. They'd be like, right. bland, it doesn't have any taste. So we spray it with fats and we also add synthetic vitamin mineral mixes because we've cooked everything out of it. We have to add that back in. Well, a couple of years ago, there was somebody did a little tiny math error in the vitamin D. They multiplied it by 10 times or 100 times, whatever, but it was so much vitamin D that it was causing kidney failure and killing pets. Tens of thousands of pets died because there was a math error and it was across many pet food companies because there's only a couple of suppliers of those vitamin mineral mixes. Nobody tested the vitamin mineral mixes before they used them. On their websites, they talk a big game about, oh, we test all the ingredients and we make sure, mm -mm, doesn't happen. So, um, so it took tens of thousands of deaths before somebody raised a red flag and say, hey, why, why are we suddenly getting all these animals that are having problems? Why, why do we have all these kidney failure cases? Why do we have all these animals dying of kidney failure? And then somebody started testing. I guess one of the things that we could say was lucky about that whole thing is that one of the companies that had huge problems with that happened to be one of the prescription diet companies. So they were veterinary diets being sold by veterinarians, which means that all of a sudden the things started to click. Like the veterinarians were yeah. going, I've got all these animals on this prescription diet and I've got all these animals and kidney failure suddenly, mm, maybe I should ask some questions. So we really don't want to be feeding our pets that way. We don't want to feed them dead food. We don't want to feed them foods that are sprayed with fats that are going to become rancid after three weeks of storage. We don't want to be feeding them synthetic vitamins and minerals. Think how you would feel if every meal that you ever ate came out of a processed package, whether it's, you know, fast food from a fast food restaurant or frozen dinners that are preserved with a lot of salt. That's why we have so many, you know, high blood pressure problems, yeah. obesity, you know, because there's a lot of salt in their food, a lot of sugar, because those are great preservatives. And then you can say all natural um, <laughs> because salt and sugar mm -hmm. are all natural. They're just not good for us in large amounts. So when we feed our pets that way, we get the same problems. We get obesity, we get high blood pressure. We get, we get the same kinds of problems. Luckily, they don't get coronary artery disease like we do. So that's one good thing. Um, 
but we are seeing a lot of problems. Meanwhile, if we put real food, fresh food, there's no such thing as people food. It's just food. Yet your veterinarian will say, don't ever give them people food. Don't give them table scraps. Well, if you're having a salad, give your dog a salad. It'll be fine. You can avoid the dressing for them. They don't need the dressing. Neither do we. But, uh, but if you're putting like a healthy olive oil on it, let them have it. it I mean, it's, it's healthy for them. What's healthy for us, there's a few things, grapes, raisins, onions, you know, yeah. avoid those. Uh, but for the most part, if it's healthy for us, it's going to be healthy for them. And that's what we need to be putting in the bowls. So for people who are just like, I, you know, like you, I can't cook. My old office manager used to store her purses in her oven. She's like, <gasps> I don't have much storage space. I have a lot of purses and I don't cook. So she put her purses in the oven. Okay. I, then my next office manager after that had shoes in her oven. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> and CDs. Okay. Yeah. CDs. I'm a musician. So I stored my, my CDs in my <laughs> Yeah, in I, my I, oven. I guess I love you it. don't cook, it is an extra storage space. So yeah. I get it. Uh, <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. Uh, my dishwasher in my RV, I've never used it because my plates are too big to fit in the dishwasher in the RV. And it's stupid that I have a dishwasher in mm -hmm. an RV. Mm -hmm. Talk about glamping. Uh, but mm -hmm. I use it for storage because I've never run the dishwasher. So mm -hmm. I get it. I understand. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I do consultations for diet for people all the time. And I do get people who say, look, I, I, I can't even boil water. I had one woman that I was talking to, she's an older woman, lived by herself, and she wanted to put her dog on a fresh food diet. And I, so I said, well, I can, I can make up a recipe, couple recipes for you. And she said, I don't know how to turn my oven on. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, that might be a problem. Oh, yeah. uh, and she said, I can probably have my neighbor come show me how. And I, I just kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> I said, you know what? We're not going to go there. Like she was older than me. And I'm like, and she lived alone. And I said, you know what? We're not going to start this process. Yeah. We're <laughs> like, going to start a fire. Like, on your <laughs> at, this, at this point in life. So um, I said, well, I said, when you feed your dog, like she was saying, well, I feed, I share my chicken or I share my vegetables with the dog. And I said, well, where would that be coming from? And she said, well, I get things that I just have to reheat in the microwave. And I said, if I can find you TV dinners for dogs that are fresh human food, could you do that? And she was ecstatic. So I found there's a couple of companies now that make these fresh food options where, you know, you open it up and you can see the things that are in there. So you know what's in there. Uh, a lot of those are have a little more carb in them than what I would feed my own dogs. But for somebody like that, who was moving away from Absolutely. a kibble to a fresh food diet, this was such a huge step up. And for her to just have to warm it up in her microwave or however she wanted to warm it up, I was I was fine with that. I'm not a huge fan of microwaving our food, but at that point I was like, I don't want you to burn your house down. Yeah. <laughs> just warm up the food. <laughs> that would be even worse for the dog. <laughs> so, you know, for people who say, look, I don't know how to cook, I don't have time to cook, I've got, you know, kids and a job and a you know, a spouse, and I I just I can't. I get it. Um yeah. I a, a lot of the food that I buy for my pets, it's all fresh food, whole food. Um, a lot of it is pre-made. Uh, I feed raw, so uh, raw or gently cooked. Um, I've been known to make my own. At one point we had 10 dogs and we, on Sunday afternoon, we would grind 150 pounds of food and package it up and put it in the freezer and it would last two weeks. So twice a month, three hours, done. Wasn't a bad deal, um, but some people don't have that time. You know, If you've yeah. got kids that have a million events on the weekends it's hard to find that time so there are a lot of fresh food companies now um coming on the market and having come on the market in the past five years or so and it's actually frankly the 
the largest growing segment of the pet food market. And we're so happy to see that. That's really good. Well, and I really wanted to kind of highlight this because there's also been, you know, in the last few years, as this shift has been occurring, it's felt like there have been some concerns, which now feel a little bit ironic. I mean, there was a part of my heart that was shriveling up like a raisin, one like a toxic raisin while you were talking about, you know, just the actual process of creating the kibble and how the intention is just never to give our pets sub food. The intention is to you know, spend the money, do the, you know, and, and not realizing what we're, we're not getting what we're paying for essentially. But there's also been this corresponding concern. And I don't know if it's a little bit of marketing ploy or a, a really genuine thing um, that's, that's cropped up as well about um, nutritionally deficient fresh food diets or homemade food diets that aren't cutting it for whatever reason that we actually use, um, just for the, my mother is an incredible chef. It's, it must have skipped a generation, but just because I sometimes have to feed too, we have opted into um, some Dr. Harvey's blends, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how you help ease pet parents through the concern that they're somehow going to like leave out something that their animal really needs, you know? So on our website, on drjudymorgan.com, we actually have a ton of recipes um, that nice. are just free downloads. We also have a uh, superfoods for your dog, which are toppers, things like eggs and blueberries and sardines and pumpkins. So there's a list of superfoods that it's a free download that you can get. Uh, my book, The Yin and Yang Nutrition for Dogs, Maximizing Health with Whole Foods, Not Drugs, has about 60 recipes in it. There is a chapter in the back of the book called The Balancing Act. Don't skip that chapter because the recipes themselves are, there's only one in there that's completely balanced and that's pup loaf. Um, the rest of them are not balanced, but they're made for specific disease problems. And then there's a chapter at the end that tells you, you know, how to balance them. We also have a course on Dr. Judy Yu that's Homemade Dog Food 101. And you can prepare, the, there's a bunch of recipes in there. But it also walks you through how to get started. When I first started feeding raw food to my dogs, I had no clue, no clue how to do that. So I bought a pre-made product made by another holistic veterinarian who was one of the pioneers in that space 30 years ago. Uh, so I started with something that was pre-made until I figured out how to do it. So I made sure that my pets were getting everything that they needed. Um, there, one of the easy ways to do it is something that you mentioned, the premixes. So there are a lot of companies that make a premix, which is your fruits and veggies and vitamins and minerals, and you just add your own meats. And those meats can be raw or they can be cooked and then you add an oil. So whether you use olive oil or flaxseed oil or coconut oil or fish oil, um, I tend to rotate them, but the directions are in there. So you add hot water, let it soak and poof back up because these are um, either freeze dried or dehydrated foods and let it poof back up and then add your own meat. So that's, that's kind of an easy way to slide in without having to do a ton of work. Um, but then there are also pre-made human grade foods that already have the dried meats in there as well. So add hot water, poof, you got a real meal. Um, those are great for travel. So when, I mean, my motorhome clearly has a kitchen, but um, sometimes it's just easier. And if I'm staying in a hotel and I'm taking my dogs, I can take a bag of freeze dried or dehydrated something and you can always find water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You usually get hot water. Yes. Yes. Um, so it, it can be really simple to move from kibble to human grade ingredients. And um, 
the labeling requirements for human grade are really, really strict. So if you're finding something that says human grade, it's, it's going to be human grade. They haven't started lying about that yet. Nice. <laughs> Although there was, nice. One there was one company that said, so one of the things you have to be careful of is companies on their websites will say USDA inspected. Mm. Well, you almost all, well, actually pretty much all the meat that's in pet food is USDA inspected. What they don't say is it's USDA inspected and rejected because the rejected meats go to pet food. So you want to see USDA inspected and passed or nice. see that it says human grade, or you want to see um, that it's made in a human grade facility where there's actually USDA inspectors in the facility. Um, so unfortunately it comes down to the pet parent having to do the research yeah. or, or if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get the list of foods, uh, you know, processed, uh, already made yeah. commercial foods that I'm willing to feed my own pets. And there's an even better list at truthaboutpetfood.com. You'll have to pay something for it. I, and it can be as little as $10, but it's a donation to Susan Thixton. She has for the past 11 years been going to the regulatory meetings for pet food. She is our best consumer advocate. And in order to get on her list, and it's called the list <laughs> at truthaboutpetfood.com. Nice. In order to get on her list, a pet food company has to apply and they cannot buy their way in and they have to provide all of the receipts for all of the ingredients that go into their food and show the chain of custody and that it's all human grade. So she's really, really picky and critical and her list is growing. I think this past year there might have been like 35 companies on there and not that they're the only companies that are decent, but they're the only companies willing to jump through the hoops to get on the list. And that so any important. pet food companies that come to me and want to work with me on formulation or, you know, getting their product known, I'm like, well, then you got to jump through the list and get on get through the hoops and get on Susan's list. Cause if you're not willing to do that, then don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> and that's incredible. And I love the fact that there are, there's, there's a growing number of companies that are, opting in and the, you know, really behind the scenes, there's a really good chance that the, the folks that work at these pet food companies have pets and would probably be, and maybe are somewhat horrified themselves. And it's really about coming back to that heart and realizing, wait a minute, this animal sitting right in front of me that I love so much. There's somebody out there who's buying this, this product that I'm involved in making who loves their animal just as much as I love my animal. And it really does shift our consciousness. When we were at one of the um, AFCO meetings, which is the Association, mm -hmm. American Association of Feed Control Officials, so they kind of make the rules. They don't enforce the rules. FDA is supposed to enforce the rules. Um, but we got a meeting with FDA and CVM, which is the veterinary group, and um, we asked them what foods they fed their pets, and they wouldn't tell us. They said, uh, well, we have insider information about what's in there, so we, we won't say. I'm like, you won't even feed your pets this stuff that you're passing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's just difficult. It's just difficult to, and you know, it's interesting though, because yeah, it's a little bit more work on the front end, but as I'm listening to you talk and I'm realizing on the back end, the payoff is a healthier pet, which means lower vet bills and fewer stressful nights in the ER. And, and in fact, that is actually, I didn't mean to do it, but it's kind of a nice segue to my next question for you, because I found you in a roundabout way through one of my animal communication clients who runs a, uh, a rescue for bulldog dogs and she has a list of all of the products that she 
you know, like a wish list, like a charity wish list. Like if you want to support us, you can help. And um, the PEA supplement was on the list. And that led me back to, I went and searched for that. And that led me to your Facebook. And that led me to a video. I cannot tell you how many times I have sent those links to my pet client, my parent, my human clients, my animal communication client, humans, <laughs> humans in the mix, not to the vets, and said, take a look at this because they, they'll say to me, you know, I want to talk to my animal because I feel like, you know, she's drugged all the time or he's sluggish and confused and discombobulated, doesn't know what's happening. And I just, I mean, I know there's pain there, but I don't want to, you know, knock him over the head with a hammer just to ease the pain. And so, you know, I, I wanted to bring this up because it, it, crops up. So because so many of the reasons why a human would want to contact someone like me to talk to their animal is because there's something ding, 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 their intuition, or they know there's something going on, there's discomfort. And, and a lot of times what we find out is, you know, it's progressed beyond the stage, maybe we can, maybe we can't trace it exactly back to the diet. But, you know, these are older, a lot, a lot of times older pets or pets that have been born with some congenital issues that may have been created by heavy metals or toxins or poor diets or puppy mills or whatever's going on. And so now what we end up with is a pet in pain and we're in the interventionary mode. And so I wanted to chat with you a little bit about that's one, that's one um, there. And I have had so many of my pet parent clients come back to me and say, thank you so much. That one little shift has helped us so much. And it's not even an animal communication thing. It's again, it's about what do we do with the information that we receive? And so could you speak into that a little bit more, some other ways to, um, to address when a pet does have pain and there have been some errors and how do we ease that without just going to the hard drugs? What, you know, where would you guide someone? It's really interesting because on my Facebook Live yesterday, I talked about the fact that there was a study done looking at uh, dogs that are taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And so they looked at dogs that had been on them for 30 days and they actually put a little camera, that's a little camera in a capsule that they had them swallow. And then it travels through the GI tract and you can wow. look at pictures of the inside of the guts, which is so cool. What they found is 83% of dogs on non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, so those are pain meds, have GI ulceration, ulcers in their GI tract. And the dogs aren't showing us that. The dogs aren't complaining that they have a stomach ache now, but they do. And those ulcers can lead to bleeding. They can lead to perforation and death. And a lot of those non-steroidals also can lead to kidney failure and liver failure. Before we had so much information, when they first came out, we had dogs dropping dead right and left, kidney failure, liver failure, because we didn't know that those drugs could cause those problems. Uh, actually, one of my technicians, her dog was dead within two weeks of kidney failure from That's the so first non that came out. Because we thought, yeah. oh, this is wonderful. Yeah, it wasn't so wonderful. Um, so on my website, uh, there's a blog called Treating Arthritis Naturally. And it has links to probably 20 different products and 20 different things that can be done. So acupuncture, chiropractic, cold laser, cold laser is amazing. Massage, just warming up the muscles. Um, things like Reiki, craniosacral therapy. There's a lot of energy work that can be done. Physical therapy for these animals is huge. So so many things that we can do, but then we have so many plant-based. So there's something called beta-cetosterol, which is a plant steroid it doesn't have any of the side effects of normal you know drug steroids 
but it has the effects of decreasing inflammation. We have something called PEA, which is a um, natural anti-inflammatory, plant-based anti-inflammatory as well. I found it originally for my Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. The breed, about 93% of them, have something called syringomyelia and Chiari malformation, which are neurologic problems in the brain and spinal cord. So it is huge within the breed, and yeah. these dogs end up on pain medications like pregabalin and gabapentin, tramadol, steroids, you name it. They're on so many medications, and they're drugged all the time, and they don't feel good, and they are woozy, and they are kind of out of it. So I found the PEA, started using that. My dogs are on, after having my dogs on medications for 10 years, they are not on any medications. They are only on supplements. We use omega-3 fatty acids. We can use homeopathic arnica. We can we can use liniments. There, there's, we can use essential oh, yeah. oils. There are so Brilliant. many things out there that we don't have to go to the drugs. And so one of the problems when we're using these drugs, drugs have side effects. Now, my father had Parkinson's disease and my parents are very traditional. My dad was on 30 different medications and it made me crazy because the side effects were nuts. And every time my mom would bring him home from the doctor and say, well, I got a new prescription and I'd look it up and I'd say, we're not giving that. Are you kidding? Did you look yeah. at the side effects? But you know, they the, the just were in the mindset of the doctor says, this is what we need. This is what we need. And, um, my my parents were not willing to allow me to get them off all his meds. I would have loved to, yeah. but because uh, there's a lot of things that can be done from a natural standpoint. I'm not against using medication when medication is needed. I've got a dog who is in end-stage heart failure, and he's also in kidney failure, and he also has protein-losing enteropathy. So he's a hospice case. He has yes. multiple terminal illnesses. He is on some medication. He's also on a bunch of supplements, and he's doing really well. I did his lab work three weeks ago. It looked terrible. I said, oh my God, he's going to be dead tomorrow. I changed up his routine, had lab work done again yesterday. And I went, look at that. Look at all those things that are normal again. How about that? So we don't have to go to the drugs and we don't have to use a second drug to treat the side effects of the first drug and a third drug to treat the side effects of the, those two combined. Yeah. And we see that. We see that that wheel that just keeps turning out more medications and a lot of these medications don't play well together and you're not told that either. And one of the other things that I am not happy with in the veterinary industry is that people don't get, you know, when you go get a prescription at the pharmacy and they give you that big sheet of paper that has all the side effects yes. to watch for and when to call your doctor, you don't get that in veterinary medicine. You're lucky if you even get told what it's for and you don't get told the side effects or what to watch for. And that's a huge problem a huge because i think you know when you see those commercials on tv and they go side effects may include bleeding mm -hmm. nausea vomiting you know you know death <laughs> right exactly i think that with three quarters of the drugs that we're handing to our clients for our patients if we said by the way here's a list of side effects to watch for these are the things that could happen and at the bottom it says death i think that pet parents three quarters of the time would say you got anything else like, I don't think this is so good, but we don't, we don't give them that option. So here's my note to pet owners, ask questions, ask, 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 ask questions. What is this drug for? What are the potential side effects? My mother was in the hospital and the GI doc prescribed three antibiotics. And I said, no. And when she came in, I insisted that 
I yelled at the nurse and then when <laughs> I insisted yeah. on seeing the doctor who hadn't even examined my mom, but she prescribed right. three antibiotics. Right. And when she came in, I said, do you know the side effects of those drugs? And she said, no. I said, well, I do. <laughs> and I said, you're not giving them to my mother. If you don't even know what the potential side effects are, you cannot prescribe them. So she looked it up in her little formulary on her phone and she went, oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we're not going there. So it, it really is. This, is, this is, goes for you for your human medications, for your veterinary medications. Ask questions, look it up. You, could, you got your phone with you, look it up. You know, if they're not gonna tell you, look it up. They should know and they should be able to tell you off the top of their head. But if they don't, look it up. Always ask questions. It's a really good point because, you know, and that that is a really sweet segue into the, the, the next question, which is, you know, in many cases, I, I'm working with a human and they don't feel like they have adequate local resources. They may only have uh, maybe in rural area, they might have one veterinarian that they're that that's even an option. And, and this especially comes up with exotic pet oh, yeah. species, but even in the sense of, do I even have a holistic vet that I can, or maybe the, the nearest, the closest one is two hours away. And then you're not looking necessarily at a choice or high quality. You're just looking at what's locally available. And so it feels like it's just getting so overwhelming that sometimes my clients just feel like I'm getting barraged with information or, you know, this is what's available to me locally. And then I'm, I'm in the position of, you know, encouraging them to reach out further and they're already on overwhelm. Yeah. So, you know, let's say we've, got, first of all, I love that you said, you do consultations? I feel like I have sent several people to you for that purpose. Um, but it, how does that work when the pet parent really doesn't feel like they have is, and they maybe got something going on or they've got they're not medically, they're, they're just feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, when is it okay to reach out and have um, a virtual consultation? Um, how much can be done when the, the, the practitioner can't see that pet in person? And it feels like more and more, but I would love to get your take on that. Yeah. So um, the number of consultation requests that we get is pretty overwhelming. Um, so we actually, I think we have a team of about six holistic veterinarians that Fantastic. we are using in our referral base. And they're people that I know and I've met and that I feel Fantastic. comfortable with their information. Um, and some of them are like me, they're not in practice anymore, uh, but they still want to help. One of the things that we require is you have to have a local veterinarian that you've been working with and you have to require a year of records. Some people give me 10 years of records and that's fine. But if you aren't working with a local veterinarian, you haven't had diagnostics done, you don't have any vet records, we can't work with you because we don't know what we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, and so we need eyes on the ground that's doing a physical exam at that end. Um, and we are not allowed to prescribe medication. So I can't make a diagnosis and I can't prescribe medication through a virtual consultation. What I can do is look at what you're feeding and say, okay, well, let's see, we have high liver enzymes. You're feeding a corn-based dry kibble. Probably we've got some aflatoxins in there. Maybe we should move away from that. Let's talk about how we can improve the diet. Let's talk about what food we can use as food therapy to <laughs> drain the liver or increase the energy of the heart or help with arthritis or help with getting the diabetes regulated, those sorts of things. 
Um, another really good resource is my first book, From Needles to Natural. Yeah, which I which I own. Yeah. And I've got the second one on order from my mom. She's the recipe person. So <laughs> well, From Needles to Natural, I wrote in 2013 and then it was actually released in 2014. So there are some things in there that I would change. Like there are some pet foods that I mentioned in there that I would never feed now. So you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but like the vaccine chapter is like I'm writing a new book and I'm reusing that vaccine chapter because it's so well written and it talk, the vaccines haven't changed that much. So it talks about all the vaccines available. Um, but my website, again, like if you don't want to spend any money, go to my website. We have blogs on natural flea and tick prevention and avoiding the chemicals. We have blogs, many, many on heartworm prevention, whether you need it, whether you don't need it. It really depends where you live. We have blogs on treating arthritis naturally. We have blogs on pancreatitis, diabetes. I mean, we we try to keep churning out information so that people have a trusted resource that they can go to. Um, is my stuff a little bit biased toward holistic versus traditional? Yes. Um, but for instance, in the From Needles to Natural book, I tell you what the traditional medications would be used to treat a certain problem. And then I let you know what the side effects of those medications potentially would be. And then maybe we should you know, try this alternative first if it works great. If it doesn't work, you can always go back to something that might have side effects. Um, but we really, the, the average life expectancy of a medium-sized dog, let's, you know, think golden retriever in the 1970s was 17. It's now 10. Yeah. yeah. We've cut their life in half. Yeah. And that's because we're, we are over-vaccinating. We're feeding the wrong things. We're, we're just killing them with all the chemicals. Um, so we need to get back to doing things more naturally and my, and it's never too late to change. Uh, we adopted a puppy mill breeding male Cavalier King Charles Spaniel when he was eight years old. He came to us with five rotten teeth, which fell out pretty quickly. He lived in 19 because even at age eight, Just brilliant. Yeah, he had horrible arthritis. So his last few years, he had a four wheeled cart, but he, as long as we would pull him along in his little cart, he would, you know. <laughs> run with his little legs. Um, and he just, he had a love for life and he lived to 19. And that was starting off with everything wrong for the first eight years. We had a, another cocker that we adopted at 14 and he lived to 18. And he had everything done wrong to begin with. He came in, he was such a train wreck. So it's never too late to make changes and you'll see significant changes just by adding fresh food to the bowl. Even if, even if you decide to stay with kibble, if you start adding toppers like eggs and sardines and fresh leafy greens and uh, you know just some healthy foods, you'll see a difference. Within a few weeks, you'll see enough difference that you'll say, hmm, I may, might take this a step further. Um, and so for those, I'll get back to the uh, rural, you know, you only have one choice for your veterinarian. Yeah. So it becomes difficult because you don't want to tick them off. Like if you have to go two hours right. to get to somebody else, you don't want to make them mad. And veterinarians as a whole, don't like to be questioned. They, yeah. you know, they've got eight years of college. They think they know everything and they do have a lot of knowledge, but they may also be pushing the same kibble in the bowl day in and day out. They're pushing a lot of prescription diets, which by the way, are a huge moneymaker for the clinics. Um, and if you look at the ingredients on those diets, you'll see that they're really no different from the, look at the same company, look at their just over the counter line you won't see much difference in the ingredients in the foods, yeah. but yet the price is three times more on the prescription diets. So 
there, there is no medication in those prescription diets. There, it's not a medicine. It shouldn't be a prescription. It shouldn't be three times the, the price of other food. Um, there's actually a big lawsuit going on with that right now. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, that should be um, interesting. <laughs> but, you know, you can do the same thing yourself. You, you could, and that's why the yin and yang book, because I get tired of having these consultations with people feeding prescription diets because that's what their veterinarians said. For instance, um, traditional versus holistic veterinarians with kidney failure. Soon as they see the kidney values start to budge at all going up, they're going to want your pet, dog or cat to be on a very protein restricted diet. It's not good for them. They die. They die faster. So holistic veterinarians do not restrict protein until the very last stage of kidney failure. Um, so my dog that's in kidney failure, heart failure, <laughs> and has PLE, his, his protein is probably about 80% of what it was before his lab work a few weeks ago that was so horrible. And even with that, I, I went from, you know, the 100% level that his protein was down to about 80%, and his values are great, he's feeling great. So, you know, we don't have to restrict them to the point where we're killing them. Um, so there's just, there's, what I would say to you, to your traditional veterinarian, if that's your only option, if they're telling you that they want you to give a drug to your dog or they want you to use a chemical, instead of blindly saying yes and getting stuck paying $50 for a pill that you don't ever plan on giving, say, you know what, I'd like to do a little bit of research on that. I'm not sure I feel comfortable with that. Can I get back to you on that? And just be nice that's about good. it. Just say, I'll just get back to you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and I'm, I'm going to do a little research. Um, and I mean, they, how can you argue with that? Um, yeah. And the same with, with diet, you, you know, and frankly, there are some veterinarians that if you raw feed your pets, they won't treat them. So you might want to ask, and I, I hate to tell people a lie, but you might want to ask straight up when you go in, how do you feel about raw feeding for pets? <laughs> they might have a big sign on their wall that says, you know, we don't, we don't believe in that. Interesting. Um, but if you're raw feeding your pet and that veterinarian is your only choice and they won't treat your pet if it's raw fed, you might just want to clam up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you you've got to work with the... an option. Uh, we took one of that Cocker Spaniel I was talking about ended up having to have both ear canals removed because they were just so damaged. And um, when we took him in for surgery, I took freeze while well, my husband took freeze dried raw in a baggie and said, all you have to do is add hot water. And they said, is that raw food? And he said, yes, it is. Mm. And they, they went nuts. They made him take it back out of the building. And in order to keep the dog, he had to live in their isolation unit. And anybody who touched the dog had to gown, glove, cap, wear booties. Like they couldn't touch that dog and then touch another dog. They were nuts. Nuts. That is nuts. But there's a lot of clinics that are that way. So yeah. ask that question first. <laughs> I'll give you some information. <laughs> That's great. It's a great tip. It's a great tip. And, you know, it's interesting because so much of this is really boils down to interpersonal skills, communication skills. You know, my, my late father would all always approach any potentially confrontational interaction by starting off with, I really need your help with this. And then kind of state the problem. And it would kind of, after 30 years in, in HR, human resources, he would, you know, he had learned over many, many years how 
often that just that open heartedness and the humility to just say, I just really need your help and need your expertise. And this is kind of what we're working with here and just kind of try to plow the field, if you will, full of, full of daisies instead of weeds and, and up front and just, but it's just, it's so often does boil down to, you know, just two personalities and, and, and finding creative ways to receive what we what our pets need without compromising our standards or our or I, our beliefs at in the home for what we feel is right for our pet because ultimately you know we're the one that's living day in day out with that animal we can see the differences in a way that even the trained veterinarian never could right and one of the problems with homemade pet food they will they will pretty much across the board tell you, oh, it's impossible to balance a homemade diet. Well, we know it's very possible to balance a homemade diet and you don't have to use supplements. You can do it with whole foods. You just need a bunch of ingredients. Um, but the reason they say that is because we aren't taught in veterinary school how to balance a homemade diet. Like we don't know how to do that. And I only know how to do that because it's my passion and I learned, mm -hmm. um, but veterinarians don't know how. So it's impossible for them, if you gave them your recipe, it would be impossible for them to look at it and say, oh, I know that is completely imbalanced. So it's easier yeah. to say, you can't get it right. And Interesting. teach you how to do it right. So it's um, so a lot of veterinarians, when people want to do a consultation with me, the veterinarians are on board. They're like, I don't know how to tell them how to make a homemade diet. I, this is great. <laughs> Somebody else do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Not is that way, but you know, there are some veterinarians who are like, yeah, I know they want to meet, I know that they want to use homemade food, but I want to make sure that they're feeding food that's going to be appropriate mm -hmm. and balanced. So, you know, so you can get, you know, both ends of that with your veterinarian, but really one of the reasons they become defensive is because they don't know how to balance it. So it's, it's a little, they, they feel a little threatened by that. Like it, it shows that they don't know everything. Um, and it's okay not to know everything. It's, it's not something that we're taught. We get about an hour of nutrition in eight years of school. So you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of daunting when you really take a step back and look at everything that a veterinarian has to, to learn. And I see this a lot with my exotic pets too. It's like they get if if they're lucky, they'll get a few weeks of training in exotic species. And you think about that, you know, I mean, just you, I don't even know where that falls on the side of brave or crazy to even. You know, sometimes they're in a position where they are the only option and there's this sick animal that's an exotic species and they, they do the, they try, they try because it's better than nothing. But there are also many, and I've, that's a whole nother, a whole nother podcast. But of course, we're coming up on our time. I want to be respective of your time as well. But this isn't, and I feel like our, our last conversation really feeds into this. You know, of course, I'm an animal communicator. And ultimately, this show began, launched, um, because animals have things that they want to share. And my passion, and, you know, my kind of when I found my that intersection of all the craziness. It was like, oh, great. This is finally starting to add up and make some sense. Thank goodness, you know? And so, so I'm also, I, I tend to end up in this, this kind of this position where I'm, I'm talking with one of my, my human clients and they're saying, I don't know how to share your, you know, what you, what you, what my pet just told you does dovetail with what my intuition has been. Yes, there is something wrong or yes, there's something going on and there's a need that is not being met in some way, but I don't know how to incorporate that into when I have these conversations with my, my vet who maybe doesn't believe, or, you know, it's like, how, 
how I guess I guess my my real question is is you know do you have any any guidance or information to pet carers who have a veterinary team that they literally don't believe in what they probably would call the softer side of pet wellness and care you know like things like animal communication things like reiki um the the the, the stuff i spend my days doing that that you know on the other end may end up being completely invalidated with one quick trip to the vet and so you know is there any have you seen anything or do you have any guidance to folks that are in that situation and want to use somebody like me who want to try these new things but they just it's like it almost does feel like what you just shared you don't want to be without any options right yeah um, you know what i would there so if you're going to a holistic veterinarian the chances of them believing in it are better than a traditional veterinarian um, I wouldn't hold back on that. I mean, they might look at you like you have three heads, but just say, look, my dog told the communicator that <laughs> he's got pain. So I'm going to tell you a good story. I had a, a guy I was dating. Uh, he was an animal communicator. Wasn't how he started life. And he actually had a brain tumor. And when he got the brain tumor, he, well, actually he started being an animal communicator. Like all of a sudden it just it hit him and i think the brain tumor was making wires cross but he came to my practice with me every day and he would talk to the animals all day and at the beginning i was like i don't know about this you right know? and then i was having to tell my clients like okay well the communicator says um so i you know i was on the other side of the fence trying to tell clients my best story this little shih tzu client older woman been a client forever the Shih Tzu has horrible skin disease, greasy, seborrhea, clumpy, awful. She's there for the skin. I have the dog in the back because I'm getting some blood work. And the communicator says, that dog has bladder stones. I said, it's here for a skin problem. He said, the dog has bladder stones. Now, looking back on it, from a traditional Chinese medicine standpoint, the dog had damp heat. Damp heat makes bladder stones. Damp heat makes greasy skin. I wasn't thinking that way at the time. So he said, go take an x-ray. The dog's got bladder stones. I'm just telling you. He had zero medical background. None. None. He was corporate. So retired corporate. So I went and took x-rays and daggone it, that dog was full of bladder stones. Now I had to go say to the client, um, the animal communicator just told me your dog has bladder stones. And um, I took an x-ray and your dog has bladder stones. So, and I said, I'm not going to charge you for the x-ray because I didn't even tell you I was going to do it. But I just figured, you know, if it's negative, then I can go, okay, you know, he didn't know what he's talking about, but it was positive. And then I was like, oh, now I got to go tell her. So, you know what? Never discount what your animal communicator says. The, the, I think part of the problem is there's a lot of bad animal communicators. And because of that, people get kind of jaded. Just like, you know, there's good and bad veterinarians, yeah. good and bad dentists. Absolutely. Good, good and bad everything. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, you can... You can also kind of keep it close to your vest, but ask pointed questions to your veterinarian. Like, you know, he seems painful when I pick him up under his bladder. Could we just get an x-ray? Or, you know, Good. you know, just like, he he just seems kind of irpy burpy after he eats. I feel like he's got some GI distress. Just rephrase it. So it's coming from you nice. as being like the most observant owner in the world. Like, I just feel like <laughs> he's got I love that that's really good <laughs> and then just point your veterinarian in the direction for the testing you want it's amazing how many times I tell people look you got to get lab work at least once a year I'd prefer it twice and if you have an old dog on a bunch of medications you got to get it more often 
and they'll go in and say they're veterinarian well i want lab work and the veterinarian will go why he looks fine to me and literally will refuse to do it and i'm like you're a client standing there with 200 hours in your hand going here take this and get some blood no. for my dog and they're going no like who does that but they're willing to push uh, food, a prescription. Or it's like just hand you antibiotics yeah. without a diagnosis. I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, interesting, you know, interesting. Always, always push for diagnostics. I'm huge on diagnostics. Yeah. Um, I'm huge on natural treatments, but I'm huge on diagnostics so I know what it is I'm targeting. Well, we have to, we have to have a little, we have to, we have to, you know, lay a foundation of information, and that's, you know, it's like that's kind of that's part that I always teach my students, you know, an animal communicator. When you're wearing your animal communication hat, you just you need to know what you know what it's almost like football which i know almost nothing about but you need to know if you're the tackle or the one that's carrying the ball you know you need you need to know what hat you're wearing and what your role is and so i'm in the information gathering role there's diagnostics information gathering but then it's like what do we do with it which is why you're here today and why i'm so <laughs> delighted that you have shared a whole hour of your time you've got so much going on and i'm really excited because you've given me this beautiful resource that i can now share with my clients in right. perpetuity and i just want to thank you i want to thank you all for for listening and watching we treasure you you're why we do what we do this show is here to serve you. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it with a friend who loves animals as much as we all do. Please do like, subscribe, um, review, give five stars, give 50 stars if it's in your area. We love that too. Uh, write us questions, requests, future show topics. We love to hear from you. Appreciate it. DrJudyMorgan.com and DrJudyU.com. And she's got amazing books, incredible resources, and consultations. So now you know it. Now you have it. And there's some um, another pathway, another gift that you can give to your animal loves to help them have healthier, happier lives. So, Dr. Judy, thank you again for being with us. Absolutely grateful and delighted. And you've made my day much brighter and um and really just feeling just feeling yeah okay the fangirl has come back she just needs to go she needs to go <laughs> well, sit down in the corner opportunity <laughs> I, I appreciate the opportunity to help spread the word yeah. and help more pets stay healthy yeah absolutely very well yeah absolutely absolutely just like you know and 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 the more we do for our pets that that inspires us to do for more for our own selves as well because the learning often goes both ways so um please join us again next week we're gonna have another wonderful guest here in our season three what to do with the information that you receive and what's next and how to how to um inform your pet's life with all kinds of new wonderful gifts that are going to make you feel both of you feel much less stressed and much healthier and happier. So bye for now. And we will welcome you back again next week. Bye.